We're in the ninth week of our series, We Are the Church. Church isn't a building, especially today. Still pretty empty except for our faithful technicians and our musicians. Church isn't our programs. Church isn't our great website. We are the church. And that does not change even in this season, which is why we've chosen to do this series to remind ourselves and to pursue hard what it means to be part of this beloved family of God. We are the church. Let me start this ninth week with this question. Who or what is most influencing right now in this season your mood, your attitude, your choices, and your faith? My guess is it's not something or someone that you're intentionally pursuing. My guess is it's already just present in your life. You know, even though we are isolated in many ways and closed off from each other socially, culture still is everywhere where you are, right? 24-7 news your local cable, the internet, it all finds its way to wherever you are. How are you doing in terms of being careful and paying attention to how, what is coming into your life, either by media or other things, or people, is guiding how you're feeling right now, what you're believing right now, about life, about culture, about COVID, about politics, about Jesus, and how you're doing in terms of your moral choices. This question leads us to this most critical of the let us statements in the book of Hebrews. As we continue in the, the, the pivotal verses of the 10th chapter, of the book of Hebrews. But before we go there, let me take this opportunity as I did just a few weeks ago when I last preached and do a big picture, just an overview, because it's very important as we walk through these nine let us, L-E-T-U-S, let us, hope you're also eating your lettuce, um, as we walk through these statements, uh, it's important to step back and say, what's the big picture here? And what I am calling this period of review that we do, that we've done twice now, is this is what we do. This is what God's people are meant to do. These are exhortations for the people of God from Hebrews at all times and in all circumstances. And I'm just going to walk through the five that we have done so far. And I've chosen to paraphrase them as a way of saying, what is it we're supposed to do as the people of God? The first one we learned is that we guard and nurture our faith in community, right? That was Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Let us be careful to enter into that rest, which is the gospel, our faith, our relationship with God. Just by way of review, again, if you're just joining us for the first time in this series, or it's good for all of us to remember the context here, the people being written to are Hellenistic Hebrew people, Hellenistic Jews, 
most likely living in Rome, who are really struggling right now with holding on to their faith in Jesus because of culture and because of the pressure both in their family world and even in the heresy of Judaism or Judaizers, I should say, who were coming to Christians and saying, you really need to go back into those traditions, not just follow Jesus. The pressure of persecution that Christians were experiencing while Jews were not at this time experiencing. And many were bailing. They were saying it's just too hard. And so the author is writing to encourage them to stay the course and why it's really the only hope for us in the only life. And so the first thing we learn is that we need to guard that faith from all the different attacks that are coming our way and cause us to rethink it. Second, we live together confidently in God's grace. The thing that ultimately Christianity has that sets it apart from religion, we posted a promotional about our updated YouTube channel. By the way, you should check it out. Uh, We've uh, redone the whole thing and added a lot of great worship videos from our fantastic worship team and our anniversary videos are on there. Um, but um, uh, let's see, where was I going with that? Oh, holding to God's grace. Um, it's so important because people are just pushing in, you know, and challenging, and uh, they're not very filled with grace. C.S. Lewis was challenged one day when he was at a conference, and he walked into a room where a debate was going on, and they said to him, we're, we're discussing the distinctiveness of Christianity, all the different things that set it apart from other world religions. And Lewis settled the debate by saying, well, that's simple. It's grace. That's the thing that we enter into, that we hold on to, and we live in, as Paul said earlier in that video, a grace-saturated environment. Third, we push each other on towards maturity, Got a lot of interesting feedback, very positive, about the idea that the things that we think of as being mature, the writer of Hebrews calls the elementary things of our faith. We don't stay in those elementary truths about the faith. They are to produce maturity in our life. And the author says that maturity means righteousness. It it translates into how we live. Now, I'm going to take a moment here because of what's going on right now in our Christian culture, because of the obvious moral failure, long-term pattern of moral failure of one of our great champions of the faith, uh, Ravi Zacharias, who uh, has blessed so many people, and now it has turned out was not just a moral failure, but was actually a sexual predator. Here is someone that we would have looked at and said, this is one of the great mature men of our faith. And let me just give you something to think about there. Ravi Zacharias made a ministry out of talking about the elementary truths of our faith and why they matter. And those are important things to do. But there is a big difference between mastering the elementary principles and convincing others about them, and having that translate into a holy life, right? 
And so this needs to be a warning car for, for all of us. We need to move beyond. We need to establish those things. We need to live in grace. We need to hold firmly. But we need to let it work into our lives so that we live holy lives. There's no perfect person in the world. But we justify immoral behavior And what that is is cheap grace. Because of the influence of people, because of the popularity, because of our personal affection, because they cast a huge shadow. And I believe God holds Christian leaders to even a higher standard. Our life needs to match our convictions. And we need to push each other. We need to expect that of each other. And we need to do it in love, but we need to do it. All right, that was a little freebie. Moving on, four, we are a spiritual family pursuing God together. Brothers and sisters, let us draw near to God with cleansed hearts. And then last week, we hold firmly together by holding firmly to our hope in Christ. Let us hold fast to that hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And now today... Here's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. We actively give time and attention to each other's lives and faith. This is part of what we do. In fact, it's critical for what we do. Let me say it again. We actively give time and attention to each other's lives and faith. And it's summarized by this uh, abbreviation of the verse we're going to look at today. Let us consider one another. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 now. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 19, where Paul was just two weeks ago. And then last week, Len continued in this passage. And these three let us statements really are part of a critical turning of the page in the book of Hebrews. So let's begin reading at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And now the verse of our focus today. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All right, here's what I want you to think about as we approach this passage and take it apart and see what it means for us. Our faith is only as strong as the faith of the people that we surround ourselves with. Our hope in Christ, our attitude of hope is only as hopeful as the people that are speaking into our lives that we invite into it. Our life reflects the moral choices 
and attitudes of the company we keep. And so that's why we need to make sure that we are in a community where we focus and encourage and consider one another. I like to watch Vitalina and I like to watch nature shows and every once in a while we, you know, on, on, on uh, one of these channels we'll, we'll be looking at some place where there's predators and, and herds being targeted by those predators and the thing you learn very quickly while you watch these hunting packs is that they don't go after the herd, the predators go after the straggler right the the isolated target that's that's who they'll go after and you watch and sure enough they don't go after the the herd they go after the predator and if it was a disney channel everything would end up great but no it's the history channel so what actually happens is that they hit their mark you see that's true spiritually you and i are always being attacked and we are weakest when we're not in the pack, when we're not with the herd, the people of God. And so that's why we need to recognize the importance of the relationships that we have and be proactive and not just being there to get, but to give, considering each other. So let's look at this whole packet passage that we've looked at. This is really the beginning of the second part of the book of Hebrews. The whole first nine chapters in the beginning part of chapter 10 are building a case for why Christianity matters, why our faith in Christ is the only hope. And now the author is turning the corner to talk about having established that and encouraged us to hold on to it and to enter into it. Now he's going to talk about how to live by that faith. So this is really the beginning, and so therefore these three statements that begin with the word let us, these particular three are really the the capstone of the whole idea of spiritual community based on being the people of God, pursuing our faith and then living in faith. And so if you look at it that way, he starts with the word therefore, which lets us know that there's a turning here, right? Therefore, I, my, my Bible professor used to say, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you got to pause and see what it's there for. This is that part of it. Therefore. And fortunately for us, he summarizes what the therefore is about. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, this is all the argument that he's been building about the authenticity of life in Christ and the importance of holding and entering into that life. And he basically says two things. Jesus has given us access to God through his death on the cross as a sacrificial offering, and Jesus is now our great mediator, our great high priest. And so this is the summary of the argument. And and what the writer is saying is that since this is true, and then he encourages the people of God together towards three things. The first is to fully enter into your life with God in Christ. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and in full 
assurance of faith. Let's stop playing games. Let's stop sitting back and saying, whoa, maybe this isn't right. I've heard some other arguments and and I'm I'm struggling with whether I'm gonna hang in there. No, since all of these things are true, dive in, fully commit yourself, come boldly. Let's get into this life fully. The second thing is, let us hold on swervingly to that hope. So that is, let us hold firmly, right? Let us come fully into that life in Christ and let us hold firmly to it. And then finally, the encouragement is, let us remember that we're a spiritual family, right? Come fully into that life, hold firmly to it, and remember the spiritual family that's involved in it with you. And this really sets the tone for the rest of the book. It's really pretty much the outline of life uh, in the faith, life as part of the people of God. And so we're going to look at that last part about our spiritual family. I started doing some word studies related to this, and um, I found some interesting things. And then the more words I looked into, the more important each of them was. And so I, I thought, in order to get the full meaning of this verse, because for some of us, this is a very familiar passage, I thought it might be interesting for you to hear the color of the original Greek language. And so I'm going to just roll through these, but... Uh, it, it is very important that we look at this. So the first word is, reminds us of the focus that we're supposed to have in relation to the family of God. And that is the word to consider one another. Katanoeo is the Greek word. And here's what it means, to take note of, to perceive, to consider carefully, to discern to make an account of. When I, when I think of those words, I think of how my focus is about my family. You know, Vit and I are always doing that type of consideration for one another. We're thinking of each other proactively. We don't have to remember to think about each other. It's just part of what we do. I, I do the same for my grown kids, you know? They're out of the house, they're all married. But yet we worry, right? We focus, we think about them, we, we want the best for them. That's what we're being encouraged to do here for each other. There's this family focus that we have for each other in the same way we do for our earthly families and our meaningful relationships. We worry, we think, and I don't mean worry in the bad sense of it, I just mean we think through what would help these people to thrive, right? Consider, that's, that's the strength of this word. It's very relational, very familial. And then we talk about our approach, how we might spur one another on. That word spurring means to stimulate, to provoke. It even means to irritate and to force a response. This is a very active, committed form of spurring one another on. This just isn't like words of wishful thinking. This is like, come on, let's go forward. You can do this. This is like, I'm not gonna take no for an answer because I love you so much. That, that's, that's the level that I think is being engaged here while we talk about it inside, of course, a grace-saturated community. 
And what's the goal of this considering and this spurring on? It's love and good deeds. There's a familiar word for love here. It's the word agapeo. And it's the word for unconditional self-sacrificing care for one another. And so part of our ambition for each other and part of what we're praying for and rooting for and focusing on and hoping for in one another is that we would get out of ourselves and our lives would be devoted to giving, even at our own expense, unconditionally to the world around us. And that will result in good deeds. The word good is the Greek word kalon, and it actually means beautiful noteworthy, noble things. What would the world think of the church right now if it saw us loving unconditionally and doing beautiful, noble work for their good? That's what it means. Ergon, vocation, employment, right? To create a deed done In other words, this is a focus. This isn't just something we do on the side. We see these good works as our vocation, motivated by unconditional love, self-sacrificing love for others. So the focus is that we consider one another. The approach is we spur, we stimulate one another. The goal is love and good deeds. What's the strategy for bringing this out in us? Well, that is in these two um, present tense, present participle phrases, meeting together and encouraging one another. You may be in a translation that also says the word let us before those two things, but that's actually mistaken. Those are meant to be descriptives of the primary statement, which is let us consider one another. How do we do that? Not forsaking the meeting or the coming together, and then encouraging one another. The word for meeting means the purposeful gathering of your people. (laughs) Your people, not just God's people, they're your people. The purposeful remembering and coming together. And even though our building is empty, we are not kept from that gathering. In fact, I would say if Christians, because of the technology today, feel like they are not connected with other Christians, I, I think it, the only excuse for that is that you're not connected to technology because there are amazing opportunities. We have hundreds of people in our church that are connected in this type of community with one another through our virtual groups and our gatherings. We're gathering together here today, and even though we're not interacting, those prayers, those encouragements, this is all still part of the coming together with your people the people of faith. And then the word encourage is the word to call to, to encourage, to summon, to make a a personal appeal. And then we see the urgency of this priority of considering one another when the writer ends with, and do this all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. We are supposed to always be living with the anticipation of the coming of the Lord. There's a lot of focus on that, especially during this season of political uprising and COVID. A lot of people looking to prophecy. A lot of people claiming, boy, it's got to be near. This is important that you understand that. Christians have expected Christ to return 
since the book of Hebrews was written. For 2,000 years, we've said, be ready, it's coming soon. That's still true today. That doesn't change. It may be more true today, but only because God knows and because time has gone by. We don't really know the day or the hour. Even Jesus said he didn't know. But we're to live with constant expecting of his return. And so therefore, we need to be pushing each other more firmly. That, that idea needs to find its way into who we are. And so let me ask this question as we think through this. All right? Let me go to my last page, not my second page here. Who is right now, let me go back to that first question. Who is right now having the most influence in your attitude and your spiritual life? And I'm guessing you're not even aware of it. Who or what is having the most influence on your attitude, your spiritual life, the strength of it or the discouragement of it, and your moral choices right now? Let me ask you this. Who are you doing the work of considering your brother and sister in Christ? Who is better in their spiritual journey and in their moral choices and in their hope in a very challenging time to be hopeful? Who is better at that because you are considering and rooting and encouraging and spurring them on? And then third, who are you finding who is fulfilling that in your life as well? We all need to be surrounded by spiritual encouragers, and we all need to be spiritual encouragers. Because this is what we do together. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for another exhortation about why the people of God matters. Thank you for that encouragement, Lord. I want to personally thank you for those who have thought to reach out to me in this season and encourage me and uh, spur me on at times when I I just felt a little hopeless about uh, trying to shepherd a flock that uh, I'm not seeing and not with. And uh, times when I've been uh, lonely. I thank you for those that reached out and, and, uh, and the impact that had. And I didn't even know how down I was until they infused me with hope by considering me. Father, we need this so much as a people. And so I pray for those right now who are out here who um, are not feeling so encouraged. <laughs> are not feeling considered and thought out. And Father, I pray that they would know that we desire to enfold them. We love them. We're considering them. We may not be aware of them, but we want to. And I pray that they would reach out. I pray that they would not only reach out for themselves, but I'm just thinking of lots of folk in our church, Father, who have just gone into neutral and are sort of in spiritual viewership mode. And they're not considering others. They're not provoking one another. Father, help us to understand how important this is, that we receive this from one another, but that we give it as well, because this is what we do as your people. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.